Welcome back to Girls Like Us. Um, I almost said Girls Like Us show, like referencing our Instagram mm-hmm. account. This is, uh, we're already, we have a guest and we're already embarrassing ourselves, specifically me. Um, I am Sophie, and as you all remember, this is the podcast that begs the question what does a literature degree get you? And uh, all of you shout back in unison a podcast about books for children. Um, except this week, Franny and I are not talking about a book for children. We're talking about a movie. A movie, a movie for children. Film. It's very exciting. We're kind of graduating um, in, <laughs> in our media consumption. I did, unfortunately, have to pay for it, um, which I found uh, offensive that I had to pay $2 for this. But you know what? It It's definitely a cultural touchstone, and this is going to be exciting. This was in its own way therapy for me sure so in a lot like of ways. shadow work so yeah <laughs> shadow work i don't know i don't know if this could technically count as shadow work so obviously as you all know if you clicked on this episode we are talking about the click movie today uh, we were talking about with our guests before we hit the record button that um my apple watch was giving me a notification that for being currently sitting down my heart rate is too high because i'm nervous for two things one the fact that our guest is in this virtual room with us. She's just so cool. And like, her work is incredible. And like, probably everyone who listens to this podcast has encountered it in some way. But also, I really want to do justice to this movie, because yeah. we kept this episode, like we kept putting off this episode for a long time for a reason, whereas like, we really wanted to sit down and get into it. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping we do it justice. So let's hear what our guest has to say about this. Ladies and gentlemen, you know her from mostly she currently writes America's favorite Substack newsletter called Hung Up. I if I wasn't using my laptop right now, I would show her that my only sticker on my laptop is the holographic hung up sticker. Because I said I was like, I'm an adult now, I'm not going to put stickers on my laptop. But then I got that one. And I was like, this isn't a water bottle sticker. This is a laptop sticker. (laughs) Um, And she's also currently doing some producing for literally the hottest show on TV right now, which is Z way on Showtime. Um, So everybody welcome to the pod Hunter Harris. Hunter, how are you doing? I'm good. That is such a flattering introduction. Thank you so much. Um, I am so excited to talk about this movie. I also could not believe that I hadn't ever seen it before because I promise you at least four girls in my middle school in Oklahoma like started rumors that they were auditioning for this movie. Well, you know, that's one of the interesting things about this movie is that there is um there was you could aud- anyone could audition for it technically because there was a contest that <laughs> that they hosted where you could read a Claire or Massey monologue. Um, so, but that's so I would not have been surprised. Maybe they did. Maybe they did actually <laughs> this audition. This is the crazy thing that I literally wanted to bring this up because so much of the like secondary material that I consumed in researching for this episode was like brought me to the conclusion because it brought up memories in me that like 2000s culture was very much like emailing the author of a book and being like can I be in the eventual movie for this book like <laughs> yeah this was like they did it with the Kit Kitteridge movie where there was a contest um the American Girl doll movie where there was a contest mm-hmm. where you could like audition for a walk-on role and I remember that being like a very big culture where like on the DVD they brought all the girls in who had like auditioned and it was the same thing here we have a DVD featurette where the girls are brought to meet Lisey Harrison the 
author of the series, who we texted and has no memory of doing this. Incredible. Um, yeah, she like was like, I literally don't remember doing this, but yes, that is indeed me appearing on tape here. What a weird, like, before Twitter, I guess, you had to interact with, like, celebrity in the movie industry by, like, physically auditioning for yeah. a movie, which, you know, more power to you. That is crazy. What a wild, like, open casting call. I feel like nothing came of it except for this meet and greet. Exactly. And the meet and greet, they were like, oh, here are the five girls auditioning for the roles of Claire and Massey. And obviously none of those girls um, end up being in it. Um, Hunter, tell us a little bit about, so you said you've never watched the Click movie, but I know that you are are a fan of the books um, as you reference them in, in your writing sometimes. So tell us a little bit about your experience growing up with, or I guess with the Click. Um, I mean, I feel like I was honestly attracted to the books, like, in Mm -hmm. the most shallow way, because the covers were so cool, and, like, seemed very, like, fashion-forward in a way, and I remember that I was, like, too young for Gossip Girl. I just, like, started reading YA, like, Meg Cabot, um, Mm -hmm. books, and, um... Yeah, I don't know. I I just, like, thought the books were, like, really readable and fun, and I had, like, this book swap. You know, like, when you have, like, the Scholastic, like, book sale at school, I would, like, do a book swap with my friends about all the click books, Um, Mm -hmm. and I always had them, like, lined up so perfect. I was, like, so proud of my collection, um, lined up so perfectly in my room, but I I guess I liked that, like, it all felt very real to me, um, Mm -hmm. like, these, like, personal dramas, but at the same time, rewatching the or watching the movie for the first time, I was, like, there's so much stuff in this movie that I completely for like so many dynamics I completely yeah. forgot about. Um, mostly with Dylan and like her mom's insane fat shaming and yeah. like that stuff was crazy. But also like the class differences I remember specifically like relating to and also like being mm-hmm. very touched by between Claire and Massey. Mm. Yeah, I think, so, you know, these are two ideas that we hit a lot in the early days of the podcast about like you know, like, these things where, as a child, they go down really smooth. Like, this idea where it's like, oh, like, they're body shaming this girl. Like, yeah, that happens all the time. I'm just going to keep reading, like, Mm -hmm. doing my little thing. And then also the class differences where, like, they talk so blatantly, you know, where they're like, well, Kristen lives in an apartment building. So, like, she is poor. And, like, that's just something we're all supposed to accept. And, like, Mm -hmm. the crazy thing to me rewatching this movie today is, like, the Lyons family pulls up to live with the Block family. And, like, it's unclear really why like they're like well they need time to like like get on their feet and i'm like what are they getting on their feet from like these people own a minivan like they are pulling (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think a lot of it um you know having i guess reread all the books and then watch this movie in really quick succession like uh hunter you brought up the dylan like body shaming thing all these things that in the book you can kind of you know, gloss over a little bit or could be maybe read as satirical, seeing them um, under Tyra's, like, you know, heavy production hand where it's like, oh my gosh, like, this is a 12-year-old girl being told a size six is, you know, too big. And and it really takes away, I think, a lot of the charm of reading the book um, because it just, it's so like, oh God, these are children, you know, like. (laughs) I have to Yeah, I have to say right away that, and I think this is probably going to be a pretty heavy debate between us, but I use, I had take issue with the phrase that you used, Tyra's heavy production hand. Tyra was like Brad Pitt to Minari on this. She was on set for one day to film that E.T. segment. Like she, I really don't believe that she like 
Yeah, I don't that's fair. You, you don't think that she was... She, no, because she was shooting yeah. ANTM at this time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she was... I Though she was... She did do a lot of press junkets. But I guess that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I don't know. Hunter, do you have a take on this? I feel like she's probably the only name. Like, the only, yeah. you know, selling point for... At least, if not for teen girls and, like, for moms. And for, mm. like, families who were ostensibly buying this. Um, yeah. But I wanted to go back to, to something you said, Franny, where... I feel like I have, or, like, there's, like, this debate all the time about, like, whether, like, high schoolers are played by adults or if they're played Mm -hmm. by, like, 17 or 18-year-olds. And, like, on Gossip Girl, that was, like, they weren't that much older, but, like, that was a huge, like, sell for me is that I'm seeing, like, hot adults playing teenagers and it, like, felt unattainable in a way that um, was, like, unrealistic, but it, like, cool Whereas watching The Click, I was like, oh my gosh, like these are like truly 13, 14, 15 year old girls in a way that it's like, first of all, no footage of me at 14 should exist. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Just because it was like too awkward of a time. And I also like there were gaucho pants involved, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it makes the like kind of fun irony of a lot of like what goes on in the book feel like a lot more intense like when i'm watching like massey bully claire like at one point in the movie she throws an egg on her and i'm like Mm, oh my god that's like legitimately so foul and mean in a way where like if i were just reading the book i'd be like you know that's fucked up but right he's like that bitch um yeah sorry um oh oh, please please. yeah (laughs) but yeah she makes massey like or no she makes claire walk home like yes five miles yeah there are just like so many things where when you're constantly confronted with like these are truly 14 year olds Mm, it makes it like honestly very jarring and at some points i was like i cannot believe this is like actually happening that like they're right. really like bullying this girl so hard yeah. yeah and there's kind of like a a sense of because in the books obviously like throughout the series we see the arc of claire and massey's friendship and in this movie you really don't but it still ends with the idea that it's like well actually they are going to be friends and it's like no like please don't be friends with massey like it's fine to be on like a civil you know level <laughs> but like yeah she like threw an egg at you so don't truly don't do I, that. Yeah. I think i had this idea from the books that like massey was like like misunderstood evil genius mastermind but like watching the movie i'm like oh my gosh she is actually like needs to be sent away to like military school she's truly <laughs> awful yeah the way that her parents because in the book you know and we've talked to Lisey about this a little bit but like the parents are supposed to be like very hands-off and like really not understanding what their kid is doing and i think that's supposed to be played for laughs but in this movie i was just like get a grip on your child like yes <laughs> they're like okay massey like you're being a brat at dinner but like we're not gonna do anything <laughs> about it it's just like oh my gosh <laughs> it was funny because that's like every time we see the parents like they seem totally normal and nice and i think that yeah. <laughs> kind of like um I don't know. It just, it felt much more pronounced in the movie that, like, her parents were, like, super normal, nice people who yeah. were confused how they, like, raised this monster this but demon. Yeah. Then we have them, and, you know, not to blow the wad of what happens in this movie too quickly, but we have them, you know, the mom rolling out this case <laughs> that her daughter's gonna pop out of and be like, Chris Abley, you 14-year-old, this one's for you. Like... <laughs> It's so contradictory to those two things where they're like, oh, you know, Massey's a little special. And then it's like, no, like, we're, like, going to fully let her, like, essentially, like, 
you know, strip for this, like, a 14-year-old at a fundraiser. Also, it's just so crazy to look at, like, Massey's outfit in that scene versus how every single other person is dressed. Like, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. I have this feeling a lot about, like, the, like, fashion-y books and, like, culture of this era in that, like, Mm -hmm. no one's actually wearing anything designer. You just, like, dress not how, like, a limited-to outfit, you know? Right, Um, yeah. Which is funny because she's like name dropping Fendi, and it's like you're wearing like a like satin low rise tennis skirt. I don't know, like what is what is the yeah. aesthetic here? You so- went to Chico's, like it's like very much like <laughs> it, like the way that they dress is like how like um, some sort of like businesswoman would dress in my mind. Like it's yes. very like business, it's like casual. It's just so with a like, funky a- twist. Yes, and even in the the pool scenes when like they're at Massey's pool. And they're wearing, like, wedge heels with swimsuits. And the chunky jewelry. Yes. It's just, like, what? And they also get in the pool in all of that, like, in the jewelry and the headbands and all that stuff. And I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. So to give a little context on that, I found through my research. And so I, uh, one of the most illuminating things that I consumed was a video by Ellen Marlowe, who's the girl who plays Claire, who's currently, she's like a YouTuber, and I think she still acts. Um, but she made a video like six months ago that was like my reaction to like rewatching myself in the click. Um, and I, I do feel the need to say that we have contacted Ellen Marlowe several times. She has never returned our emails. <laughs> so Ellen, if you're finally okay. listening to this, you know, like, <laughs> Please reach out Wait, and Ellen, speak when for you yourself. Get the Google alert about this episode, please, <laughs> please come. Um, but she was saying that um, basically this movie was shooting concurrently uh, with the same producers who were working on Pretty Little Liars and Gossip Girl. These are all Warner Brothers properties under the Alloy Entertainment umbrella that we talk about a lot. Um, And so they also were sharing a costume designer with Pretty Little Liars, which I found to be like hilarious because like the, um, the, the weird fashion on Pretty Little Liars, like wherein like the girls are wearing designer things, but like you guys said, they're wearing like business casual shit. Like it's the same kind of idea that's carrying over. Like they don't look good. It's not like I look at these girls and I'm like, I wish I could be wearing a, tiny beret and like a giant (laughs) fucking like blazer as a 13 year old yeah absolutely it's it is like especially when we see them at school with all the other girls it really took away the the power of them being so cool and popular i was like (laughs) these people look insane like this looks crazy it's funny i wish i i wish i could go back and like watch it when i was like 13 and reading these books and i think i would be like oh my gosh like they're so adult like Mm -hmm. they're so like like they wear blazers that's so crazy i like still (laughs) was wearing like like um whatever tees with like basically tweets on them from right yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. you would you would have been wearing more akin to what massey wears when she pops out of the um the the cape (laughs) which is i heart chris abley (laughs) crop top with a with a big side pony Uh, i like yeah it's just humiliating because it's the same thing that like you were saying hunter where it's like if my 14 year old self were to like appear on camera like i literally would be sent to prison like it's fully like 
Like, I remember on my eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C., I had to fly home early with a friend for a creative writing competition. (laughs) (laughs) So humiliating. Um, But before, like, so, like, all the other kids had to take the bus home, but, like, we were being flown for some reason. And, like, the school paid for it. It was madness. That is so legit, though. Oh, my god. I know. Yeah. Um, You were the massive block of that that trip to D.C. Right. And we wore matching West Side Story t-shirts from Delia. And like light wash jeans because we thought it would be cool to match on a plane. It's like it's I, horrifying. The matching culture of being simply like twelve years old is yeah. is there's nothing like it. There's nothing like literally texting my friends because like I went to a private school and we only had like free dress days every other month, so it was like a right. big deal. And the amount of like late night phone calls, and by late night I mean like seven o'clock um right. of, like trying to coordinate outfits like the next free dress day was like crazy like why did I feel the need to wear like a matching rhinestone tee with my best friend but like I absolutely was going to die if we weren't matching <laughs> right. right absolutely um so let's kind of talk about like I'm just gonna give a quick rundown on the context of this movie um and feel free to jump in whenever if you guys have any you know take issue with anything or have any additional ideas so this was released uh straight to DVD in 2008 I know that I personally uh my mom bought it for me at a Target um I'm sure a lot of moms bought this for a lot of you know like chubby socially awkward daughters at targets across the nation um and it was filmed in the february in february of 2008 so it's released in november of 2008 filmed in february of 2008 um in rhode island um and you can tell i mean everybody's fucking freezing throughout this whole movie it like, looks so cold. Even in the, uh, there's such, like, a cold kind of, like, light quality when they're in, like, the uh, indoor pool. Yes. Even, I'm like, yeah. ooh, this looks like it's, like, uh, 40 degrees in here. And I feel like in a lot of ways this movie is, like, somewhat sanitized, at least for me, by the fact that, like, you can tell it's just so fucking cold. Every time yeah. they're, like, on the horses, every time they're, like, getting into the car, you're like, everybody looks miserable. Like, the lighting is horrible. There are no leaves anywhere. Like, what's <laughs> going on? Like, why didn't you just shoot this in LA? Mm-hmm. Um, Rhode Island must have an awesome tax credit. Um, it's directed by Michael Lembeck, who really, like, doesn't have many credits. Um, he won an episode, or he won an episode, he won an Emmy for an episode of Friends that aired after the Super Bowl um, in a year where I, you know, was too young to be conscious of both friends and football. So mm-hmm. <laughs> congrats to him, Michael Lembeck. Um, but he did uh, direct the two Santa Claus starring Tim Allen uh, sequels. So not Santa Claus 1, but Santa Claus 2 Ooh. and 3. So the Jack Frost one, the Michael Short? I'm assuming so. I yeah. didn't, you know, I didn't read to the <laughs> you bottom. You didn't watch of the those for this episode? Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I did some, I did some, uh, the, uh, the way, you know, the cinematography, the way the camera moves in a Santa Claus 2 and 3, not 1, but in 2 and 3 is very similar to uh, the Click movie. Um, as we said, it's executive produced by Tyra Banks, whose, like, whole bit during the press junket is saying that... Uh, she wants to assure everyone that she's been both a mean girl and a loser. Well, um, I'd love to. I'd love to read a quote by Tyra, please. Um, so she said, um, 
I uh, I was really skinny, so I became the freak at school. Like that's her. That's the reason that she was bullied. She goes from being like, you know, I was a really mean girl in elementary school, and then I got really skinny, um, and I became five nine, and then that really got me bullied. <laughs> Which I, I was like, okay, I guess that's valid, but <laughs> I simply have nothing to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. Like it's just such a weird like. Nothing annoys me more than people being like, oh, I'm like, was so skinny. It was like really hard for me. Or like, I'm yeah. so like light skinned. It's so hard for me. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, li- like you're Tyra Banks. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like you literally like, that's your whole thing now is being skinny. Like, don't say that it's that hard for you. Right. It's just yeah. such a weird, like, mm, like type of like playing the, like a victim, not even the mm, victim, just like yeah. a victim. Um, but it's ironic that you'd bring it up during this whole press tour as if like it makes her relatable right yeah and i definitely got the feeling from i watched specifically there was an interview with tyra and the girl who plays massey and the girl who plays claire and they were all like well we've all been the mean girls and the claire and then um massey and and claire actresses who played those those characters both had similar things of being like well you know i'm an actress so like like kids didn't understand it they're like you know oh so you're going to hollywood and it's like guys i'm auditioning like three days a week like it's like very like humble braggy stuff and i'm like oh this does not make me like you like i'm like you guys are definitely all more massies than than claire's i think interesting we should talk about the casting too because i'm very oh, curious yeah. what what you both think yeah, um, I feel like, you know, kind of going off of what you guys are saying, like, one of the inciting sort of, like, feelings behind this podcast is, like, you know, we said this in the first episode, which is that, like, if you were cool, like, the popular girls were, like, not the people who were, like, voraciously kind of, like, digesting this book and all of its, like, content that it brought with it. Like, mm-hmm. we were, like, you know, kind of I don't know, like, permanently damaged by feeling unpopular until, like, <laughs> junior year of college. <laughs> like, And so all of these things where it's like all of a sudden Tyra walks into the room and is like, yeah, I was just so skinny that, you know, people treated me different. It's like, fuck you, this isn't for you. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, a big a big thesis of the pod, too, is that we think that reading the click makes, makes people gay yeah. in one way or another. But I would say that watching this movie does not make you gay. I'm, like, straight now. It converted me back. <laughs> um, it's, like, the casting... Um, I, don't, I don't know. It is, like... It, Hunter, what you were saying with Gossip Girl, I think I would have preferred that. I kind of wish these actresses were like 16 or 17 cuz they again they like just don't seem cool because they look they're 14 year olds. Like they're not intimidating, I guess. I think one of the best like something that continues to shock me and I've seen this movie probably 15 times, but the shot wherein it's like they're pulling up to uh each girl's like mm-hmm. uh subsequent house and they're picking up all the girls in the Escalade in that first scene. Mm-hmm. How tiny Alicia's body looks as they pull out like in comparison of like her and her giant house and they're trying to show us like that her house is giant but she is like you're like oh my god this is like a young child like draped in all this like ralph lauren Mm -hmm. um and she's walking and swinging her hips in the same way that i tried to do in my seventh grade production of high school musical and my mom asked me if i had to go to the doctor um (laughs) but yeah i think that i don't know i like that they're young because I think that it it's like 16-year-olds wouldn't talk to each other the way these kids are talking to each other. So it would feel kind of like it would – I feel like it would be very obvious that they were playing down. Um, mm-hmm. But it is – like, they are very small children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
I just think because like they're so young in the books, like it would be kind of weird if they were like 15 mm-hmm. and 16 and like acting this way. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, I did think that the Massey actress was was really good in that she like got the meanness. Yes. And this is my problem with a lot of like why not a lot, but a lot of like the Netflix specific YA movies it seems like mm-hmm. people are playing down in a way that like doesn't feel authentic to me yeah but she seemed like she was like believably and realistically trying to like act older and act more mature mm-hmm. in a way that, like yeah was like very mm-hmm. precocious um mm-hmm. but I also felt like the actress playing Claire I was wondering like I I don't know why but maybe it's just like that they kind of look alike but I was like I bet Jennifer Lawrence auditioned for this in like mm. 2007 I guess um yeah. it just seems like it like there's something that was like like frumpy but like definitely not frumpy about her like mm-hmm. she turns whenever they like, give her like that makeover it's just like um when like they take the glasses off and it's like oh my gosh wow you look exactly alike but like you've been hot this entire time like that's so crazy right. like i thought she also did a really good job um but it was more like the adults that i was like what is going on here? Like, the, like the mean teachers i was like mm. No one acts yeah. like that. Like, what's happening? The dad, like, looks like a store brand, like, Patrick Dempsey. Like, both her parents are, like, very, like... Uh, yeah, they don't look like parents. None of the parents look like parents in this. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they're trying to do with Claire's mom, too. Go- what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, I was going to say, also, I forgot that Dylan Minnette is in this. Um, yeah. of... 13 Reasons Why. Yeah, think, so yeah. that was a big thing that um in this YouTube video of this, you know, girl kind of doing a rehashing of when she played Claire, she was, t- like, the hilarious thing of, you know, Dylan Minnette must have been 11 years old in this. And she was like, we knew. We knew who would be a star. We literally did. That's Ask anybody. So we were on set. We said that we knew. And it's like, yeah, you all were kicking it with this 11-year-old boy and being like, it's not about us, it's about him. Like, he's a yeah. star. Like, I don't even know how to say it. Um, what a radical reframing of the click. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly. It was just actually a jumping off point for Dylan Minnette, and we right. should respect that. Without it, we may not have gotten 13 Reasons Why, and the world would have been so much worse That's had we not so had that piece of media. Crazy. He also <laughs> seems, like, very young to me. Like, yeah. I was, I was honestly looking like seven or eight but maybe i'm just like bad at ages he has a very like in comparison to how he looks now he has like just a very like round like baby fat face i think that was the biggest contrast i think that um something oh please go very quickly i was gonna say i almost couldn't believe that he had a crush on massey in a way that i was like or do we even care about girls um that was the only thing that i was like hmm yeah no same and in the books it's like was you know, like it's much more creepy yeah. yeah so i mean i guess i was glad that he didn't uh sexually harass her like he does in the books but yeah uh, in yeah. the books he's always talking about like trying to upskirt her and shit like he's like always trying to be like i'm gonna take a pic of massey in her underwear and it's like you, and he's like canonically like eight years old and you're yeah. like what is like go play with your robot dog weirdo like right. stay away yeah. from these girls go play um, with ibo so i like something i read I think it was also this, you know, this, I would really recommend to everybody watch this YouTube video that this girl made because it really was a rich text. She had a lot of insight. Um, 
So a lot of the adult actors are soap opera actors because they were doing such a short shoot that they wanted people who were used to doing one or two takes of things. Like, obviously, with the kids, you know, they don't really care. A kid actor is a kid actor. Like, it doesn't really, you know, from what I understand, as somebody who's never worked with a child on a film set, it's (laughs) probably about par for the course, no matter who you cast. Um, But yeah, so they were trying to like everything in this movie was done in about two takes, which, you know, not shocking if you've seen it. Um, But they wanted, you know, actors who are comfortable with that pace. So the dad, Massey's dad is like a big soap opera actor. And Claire's mom is like a big soap opera person. My only touch point for soap operas is like Eileen Davidson. So yes, like not fully like into that world. But um, I don't that know. That makes so- sense because they're almost kind of, I mean, Claire's mom specifically, I'm like, oh, she's kind of acting in a different movie. You know, it's like very dramatic. Um, the relationship, again, like I was saying with uh, Massey's parents, it's like, oh my gosh, you need to like talk to your kid about why she's being such a, a jerk. But then when like Claire comes back from the makeover and sh- when she was late and she has that whole conversation with her mom where she's just like total like, about face and she's being such a jerk i was like this is like hard to watch honestly <laughs> like she i hate seeing these children real back talk yeah she really was i was like oh my gosh like you need to cut this child off like she's like oh what am i gonna do just wear tj max all the time it's like yes like you're 14 <laughs> you're gonna outgrow that in like two seconds so yes yeah, my mom turned this movie off when we were watching it together. The second that Claire infiltrated Massey's room and started sending the uh, messages back, my mom, yeah. I remember her turning to me and being like, "This, you told me this was anti-bullying. This girl's just bullying yeah. this girl back. Like, what do you have to say for this? And I was like, nothing. Like, and again, not your mom, like, taking you to task. <laughs> what do you have to say for this? You're like, okay, I'm sorry, I plead the fifth. That's so funny. <laughs> blame B- Bankable Productions, mom. Don't blame me. <laughs> we, you know, we talk about, we've talked about this a lot, like, with, like, I don't know, like, Mean Girls, like, and the burn book in Mean Girls. Like, obviously, the intentions of the filmmaker were to be like, this is bad, don't do it. But in, in the mind of a 13-year-old, you're actually like, hmm, I just got an idea about how to be popular. You know, like, you're not right. really thinking it to the end. You're like, well, that's not gonna, it's not actually mean if I do it or whatever. So I feel like similarly with her, like, hacking in to Massey's IM account. It's like, uh, just like 13 year olds are not able to comprehend that, like, mm, you should not do this. Right. I think there's something, especially so, like, um, I don't know, but I was like obsessed with being a spy, you know, from like yes. ages six to nine, I guess. And like mm-hmm. this, like, sort of covert operation into like making yourself popular. Honestly, I would have eaten that up. Like, yeah. that's, that sounds It's like so... the Harriet the Spy, you know, yes. influence. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's really no way to, like, discern this is bad, but also, like, no. incredibly ingenious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, like, I don't know. I could never have the balls to, like, anytime somebody is in a room where they're, where they're not supposed to be in any sort of piece of, like, you know, TV show, movie, whatever, I, like, immediately, I'm like, mm, no, absolutely not. Get out of there. Like, it's not going to be good. <laughs> like, yeah. it's all that scene in Parasite where, like, all of a sudden the doorbell rings and they're like, who could be ringing the doorbell at this hour? Like, it's, <laughs> like, I just can't, like, as a kid, like, my, um, my main anxiety was, like, getting kicked out of somewhere. So, yeah. like, my family went to, like, my grandparents' house in Florida, and nearby there was, like, a Marriott that had, like, a 
children's water park outside and you had to like scan in with your Marriott key card but you could you know just like follow people in and my mom and dad would always be like oh just go in and play in there like that's fun and I would be like they're gonna know like they're absolutely (laughs) gonna know that my ass is not staying at the Marriott and they're like that old man at the top of the water slide is gonna hold my hand and walk me out of here like any like spatial shit like that absolutely Mm -hmm. cannot deal with it yeah um absolutely Something I want to talk about is, like, what are they doing with the editing of this movie? Like, what is going on with, like, I swear to God, they watched, like, a bunch of MTV reality shows from, like, the early 2000s, and they were like, this is, like, they watched Jackass, and they were like, this is, like, going to be the style that we cut this with. Like, from that opening shot where, like, it's kind of like the punk thing where, like, Massey's screaming and the the camera, like, shakes and moves in on her, Mm -hmm. and, like, there's a bunch of weird, like, freeze frame shit. Like, did did you guys pick up on this, or am I being... I... The one that I noticed was um, in the makeover scene, where it's almost like it enters like a different. It, it, there's almost like a little bit of fourth wall breaking, like when it's the the three non Massey Click members and Claire, and they're like all like dancing for the camera and flipping their hair. I was like, this is odd. Like this, like it, like kind of like yeah. What were you gonna say, Hunter? I was gonna say yeah. On um, in one of in the scene where they're on the bus toward the end and it's like the Mm -hmm. lip gloss debut i saw like so many shots that were duplicated like literally shots that i had like one girl like puts on lip gloss turns this way and then like cuts to something else you see the exact same shot again i'm like wait how is this even possible like this is just such sloppy (laughs) editing not even like yeah because the movie's already like only only about 120 minutes it's like the bare min or no not 120 minutes i'm sorry uh it's an hour and a half so it's Mm. like yeah it did feel like, I mean, maybe I'm just, it's like confirmation bias because now I know that this director did lots of TV, but it did feel like truly a few TV episodes like mm-hmm. spliced together. Yeah. I just don't like something about it was so perturbing to me, like when they're in that pool scene and the girls are jumping into the pool and like there's a freeze frame on each of them as they jump in. It's like, what about this movie so far has justified this like weird, like, reality tv-esque like and now dylan and now alicia and now Kristen, like they're all jumping into the pool and like it's just so bizarre that's like um on their end because a lot of the you know press junkets etc like really i think we're trying to frame this as more of a like oh you know what these girls are all friends in the end and like friendship prevails which obviously that's not what the the arc of the story is so i think a lot of those editing choices were like we're gonna make this like feel much more like whole like we're gonna generate friendship in the way that we're like shooting this i don't like you know we're gonna treat these characters relationships differently than than they actually are yeah i think that like the editing but also like the filmmaking in general has this um you can see that what it's like pushing up against that like it's not a mean girl that it's not a gossip girl that it's not like a princess diaries even Mm -hmm. like you can see that it felt kind of corrective which I think is like what the click was sold to me as like when or like when my teachers and I would talk about it um or like when it was again like at the book fair that it was ultimately anti-bullying but also has this veneer of like meanness that actually comes across much stronger in this than I think comes across in any of those other things Absolutely. Yeah, we should talk about like the Lane situation um, and how Lane is kind of portrayed in this. What did you guys think about about her character? <laughs> Sophie's like, Meh. 
<laughs> well, the thing about it is, it's like she's really not given a lot of screen time in this. Right. Which one, yeah. like, she's one of the best actresses. Like, Vanessa Murano, we see her again um, in Switched at Birth just a few years after this. So, like, this is an actress who... Unlike was a she lot in of Gilmore the- Girls? Was she April? Yes, Gilmore. yeah. Was that her sister? Um, yeah, Laura Morano's her sister, who I've confused her with before. Like, I think a few episodes ago, I swore up and down that it was Laura Morano in this movie, and then, like, people immediately, you know, <laughs> roasted me for that. I'm sorry, I'm confusing the Morano sisters. Um, but, yeah, so she, like... She turns in a pretty good performance. Like, she actually successfully, at least to me, convinces the audience to be on her side and see things from her perspective, which is hard to do in a movie where she's probably on screen in totality for, like, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think it's, like, she, like, I mean, obviously no one in this movie was given, like, an incredible, you know, deep text to work with, but she's really not given a lot to work with. Like, they really put her in a lot of scenes where, like, she's just kind of there to be like, but wait, didn't you say you were babysitting your brother? Like, you've changed. Or like, but wait, Massey, I thought we were getting pedicures together. I thought we were actually friends. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like we get a lot more of her in the book actually, like, interacting in a more real way i don't know i'm just rambling at this point well i think that what bothered me about her character is in the books like while she is very disgusting with her food choices and i dislike her for that like she is at least uh, for the most part like standing up to massey and in this movie she was she didn't serve as a foil to claire in terms of like no actually you should be yourself and you shouldn't let massey treat you this way because she then lets lane lets massey treat her that way as well and i think that bothered me a little bit yeah i was going to say like i felt like honestly it was like a little bit confusing because a lot of her scenes and like all of her reactions felt in some ways unearned like i couldn't really yeah. follow how deep her friendship was with Claire, how much of a betrayal Claire, like, going to the sleepover and, like, ditching her was. And the stuff with Massey, it's like, do you... You're not really standing up to her, but you're not, like... It just seemed like um, there's a greater desire to, like, want to be part of Massey's group and that she and Claire kind of bonded over that in, like, a way where it's like, well, if you're bonding over wanting to, like, be popular, then why would you get so mad at, at Claire for trying to do the exact same thing that you were doing. It just, mm, right. it kind of seemed um, sort of muddled in the execution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think the whole thing, like, one of the central problems that I have with movie, this movie, like, circling back to casting, is that, like, essentially all of these girls are the same girl, like, in different wigs. Like, they all, if you were to, like, shave all of their heads, they would all pretty much look the same. They're, like, the same size, the same, like, general body type, um, the same, like, you know, nice-looking faces. Um, I really yeah, The wish- same race, like... Yeah. Like, like, yeah, this is a very, very white movie as well. Yeah. Um, I just, I really wish, like, one of my main things is, like, I would love, um, like, cast a chubby girl to play Dylan. Like, get her in there. Like, make us actually make there actually be stakes there because that's something that always bothered me when I would watch it as a child is like you know they're like oh Dylan has these insecurities with her body and obviously I'm not saying like body dysmorphia doesn't exist and that that's not valid but like I was a very you know a remarkably chubby tween and um I like watching them be like oh Dylan like 
um, are you sure you want to wear that mini skirt? Like your thighs might look weird in that. And then for the rest of the movie, she's wearing like essentially like prairie skirts and like long sleeve yeah. t-shirts. It's always like, what the fuck? Like this girl is like a model. Yeah. Like, well, and us- they validate that too. Right, right. Not even to mention that this girl is like prepubescent also. I'm like, this is like, don't right. even talk about her thighs. Like that's like not, that's not a concern that a, that a 12 yeah, year old like, should have. You could have, if the whole thing was that this girl had body issues that were totally, you know, had nothing to do with her actual experience and were only, you know, sort of rooted in, like, this body dysmorphia that she had because her mom is an asshole. Like, Mm -hmm. say that. Don't then get these other girls involved of, like, them telling her she's fat because it just gets confusing. It's like, what's, like, this just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And it's also kind of evil that, like, we have Claire fat shaming Dylan over I am and like smiling to herself in a creepy way. It's like, what are you doing? Again, that's what I'm saying. Watching this, I was like, this is way more mean than I remember. And I think when you are seeing like truly like the baby faces of these 14 year old girls saying these things to one another, it just honestly feels like very uncomfortable. And like, um, it just made me like it made me more sad than I had ever felt reading the books, where I was just like reading for zingers and reading for like, you know, right, like this like kind of playful cattiness. Sure, I think some of that too is like we um, in the books, like we're seeing Massey's like kind of internal monologue, and we are seeing you know way more of her insecurities than we are in this movie, and we really don't see like maybe with Chris Abley a little bit, but she's mostly like, no, like he thinks I'm hot. Like it's going to happen. You know, like we're not seeing her be insecure about losing her friends necessarily in the same way that uh, we get that depth of that in the books. Absolutely. And there's so much opportunity in the movie for that. Cause it seems yeah. kind of like sort of grazed past that point at the very end, whenever she and Claire have this like conversation of where she's like, oh my gosh what's you're that? a major threat like yeah on Claire she's like obviously and then she's like well would you rather be like a hopeless loser like be popular and have all your a friendless friends- loser yes, a friendless <laughs> yeah. loser or be popular and have everyone like all your friends hate you and it's like so those insecurities have like been there this whole time but they like the movie has like not spent a second even showing her quietly reflecting on them like she just seems like confused right. why all of her friends have like turned on her and never sort of hurt by that. Like, when right. we see them, like, turn her earlier in the movie. Yeah, it's just, like, it's it's bizarre because there's so much, like, uh, this movie could have been, you can accomplish the same thing by making them more realistically mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you could have toned down the meanness and still gotten to the point of, like, these girls are, you know, quote unquote caddy. Mm-hmm. The meanness uh, in multiple things, like in interviews with the cast and stuff, they were like, oh, like, it's crazy. Like, these girls are so mean. Like, people aren't actually mean like this in real life. And like, I don't know, I have to agree. Like, the certain, like, the the masses of the world, if they are kind of, like, just spewing their insecurities at other people like it's going to come out it it, to this degree it's going to come out in a way that's more real than her like you know being pulled aside by claire after she almost like jumps out of a fucking cake which like what 14 year old has the confidence to do that probably what i'm terrified of can we reveal what mass or what uh lisi said yeah (laughs) 
Do you want to say it? Yeah, so we, you know, well, first of all, I have a bone to pick with Lisey, who's, you know, the author of The Click, whom, you know, we shaded enough on this podcast that finally we convinced her to come on and (laughs) speak for herself. And now we have a group chat with her. Um, (laughs) But I was like, you know, we're recording this episode on the movie. Like, do you have any sort of like insight from your perspective of like, you know, anything that you would like to share, like any fun facts? And of course, right away, like, well, my question, my specific question to her was like, was this made to be released only on DVD or like, were they, do you have any idea if they were shopping this around for like Mm -hmm. a theatrical release? And she, you know, like she doesn't necessarily know, but she told me, she always talks to us. Like we know absolutely nothing about the movie industry, which like, I guess we kind of don't when we talk about the movie where she's like, Oh, well, you know, like WB owns this. So like, um, I think they were planning on doing, you know, a straight to DVD release the whole time. So Lisey, you know, I'm sorry that we keep asking. I, you're right. You shouldn't use technical terms with me. I guess I am an idiot. Um, but she, I asked, I was like, are you mad that you didn't? Because Massey jumping out of the cake for Chris Abley is, you know, not in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know, are you mad you didn't come up with Massey jumping out of the cake? And she said, uh, no, Massey would never do that. And I have to agree. Like, that line, like, that's a big dramatic set piece, but, like, mm-hmm. that character as she's written in the book, like, jumping out of a cake is fucking tacky. The only jumping out of a cake media that I know is uh, singing in the rain. And that's that's someone who's jumping out of a cake because they are being paid and hired to to be to jump out of a cake. So I don't know where she like got this idea. And also I'm like the balls to do that. Like as a 14 year old, like I'm just thinking about like how much I would hate if my parents even like asked me or implied that I maybe liked or had a crush on someone. Mm -hmm. It's like to proclaim that in front of like adults you don't know is uh, not something that I think any 14 year old is going to do. But also it just felt like so sloppy in its execution. Like that Massey Mm -hmm. wouldn't know that he had a girlfriend and that she would just sort of like, make this huge overture based on like not even based on like two interactions but like based on like no information like the mask yeah. that I read <laughs> for so many years and the mask that I have in my mind is just like much more calculated and much mm-hmm. more um I don't know just would not make this huge play without no. a, without at least yeah. a ton of information about yeah. who like what the aim is and it just seemed kind of like half-baked yeah, she wasn't doing any, like, recon on it, and we know that Massey loves to do recon. Right, and for someone who hates to be embarrassed, like, yeah, that doesn't even make sense. No. No. It's just, like, the whole thing is just fucking weird. I don't know. It's, like, it it really bothers me, because it's, like, it really feels like something, like, a team of adults thought up in a room where it's, like, oh, my God, she jumps out of a cake. It's totally, this is it. She jumps out of a cake. Like, we have our great, you know, climactic set piece. And it's, like, first of all, when they, they're they filming her inside the cake, she looks like she's in a sewer. Like, it looks like they put this little girl at the bottom of a sewer and just stuck a camera in there. Truly, like, in a trash barrel. <laughs> yeah. But I think... It's like I, a saw trap. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sort of speaks to how, like, the people making this movie, maybe we're not so attuned to how like when you're that age and like have a crush everything feels life or death like even like jumping out of a cake sure like feels like it has like so much more like higher dramatic stakes but even if her play was just like to walk up to chris and like give him a kiss on the cheek or like tell him that she likes him or like all of these other things that like 
seem so like minuscule but when you're like 13 and you like have a crush on a boy who's like a complete stranger feel massive in your mind mass massy massive in your mind (laughs) um it's just a yeah it's like as recently you know as like three, four years ago when I started dating my boyfriend while I was in college. You know, we had been dating several months before I even let him be in a room alone with, like, one of my friends because I'm like, Vicky's going to say something that's going to, like, <laughs> embarrass me. Well, <laughs> while he was alone in that room with Vicky, you were in, in a cake, right? Like, yeah. you were hiding in a cake. <laughs> I was in a trash so okay. yeah. Looking <laughs> up into, like, a blue light being like, what's Claire doing up there? She's foiling my plan. Also, can we, just to finish that scene, how his actual girlfriend has to go up and just, like, say like, <laughs> yeah. three completely nonsense sentences about her, like, 13-year-old boyfriend. Yeah, and it's, or like, 14, all the parents here who are, like, trying to, like, spend money, like, at this silent auction or whatever, like, who are you? Like, what is going on? I honestly would love for it to, like, have cut to, like, I don't even know, like, a mom who's, like, what is happening? Like, first of all, <laughs> yeah. who is this boy? Yeah. Um, who was this girlfriend? They've been in seventh grade. She's, like, I love you. It was just so, like, over the top, like, <laughs> well, what? But, okay. And they're, like, well, then Claire and Massey, and obviously this actress is very pretty, but they're, like, wow like she's so hot like fawn is so hot i'm like she's the same she looks the same as all of you like those like that era of like formal dress when you're 14 Uh and it like kind of cuts down a little low but like not at all it's just like the most awkward fit in the world and it's like oh my gosh of course i was so insecure when i was this age because i was wearing clothes that literally did not fit anybody yeah, Her it's like hair. a very like bar mitzvah look. Like yeah. it's like, oh, I just got invited to this. Like I'm so nervous to like give my gift to like this person. Like <laughs> Right. Her hair too, like she has like Bieber bangs that have, are being like pinned like weirdly on like one side like they're trying to like like clearly they brought that poor girl in for her like one day on the shoot her big break they brought her in and they took her to the hair and makeup van and they were like we're going for old hollywood glamour like every like everybody at their like <laughs> oh my bucket. gosh and they the, were like, like the hair uh hair person is like oh i thought that i was doing your hair for like the uh halloween train episode of pretty little liars like <laughs> right. i guess this is gonna have to work like <laughs> yeah it's just so fucking bizarre and like I don't know. But the one thing I will say to just, you know, push back against what you both were saying is as a 12 year old. So, you know, this movie came out in 2008. I was 11 years old watching this and being like, like, to me, 15 year olds are like, yeah, 15 year olds. First of all, they fuck. They definitely fuck. And (laughs) they like they maybe they even live together at this point. Like this is a committed couple. Like these two people are practically married. Of course, she's giving a speech on his behalf at this like adult party because they are essentially adults. Like, yeah, I believed that a high school relationship was like the most mature thing a person could be possibly doing so i don't know to the childish mind it's like of course this beautiful girl who is the epitome of old hollywood glamour as like a 15 year old in like a weird like blue dress is you know yeah giving a toast (laughs) yeah no i think you're right i think i would i think now it seems silly and i'm like what is happening but i think if i were reading that or watching this i would feel like it like legitimized the relationship and something like oh they're like they're like deeply serious and like yeah yeah she like loves him right Um, (laughs) and it would honestly be like oh my god what is like massey gonna do next like she can't compete with this with this like really i don't know invested couple 
This girl's yeah. in algebra too. Massey can't compete with that. Massey's in like geometry still. <laughs> yeah, she's in pre pre algebra. Yeah, um, dude. I've, this is probably the most important thing that I want to hit upon, okay. which is the mo- the music in this movie is just fucking fully iconic. Um, mm-hmm. I so I want everyone to say uh, what their favorite song was, and uh, I like I think that will stir up a lot of conversation because it's just it's incredible. <laughs> I need to look at the the soundtrack. I can start. Yeah, um, I I you know we were just on um, Zillennial Canon and we talked about Ice Princess with them, and so that is kind of this the, the soundtrack of this movie really pales in comparison well, it's to all Ice royalty Princess. free. So right, yeah. A exactly. spoiler. Oh, is that- oh wait. No, I know what my favorite song is. It's the one that was also in the video game that we played, the Click video game. Like, I thought you were, like, it's like the credit song. Do you know what I'm talking um, about? Yes, I do, because that was one of my favorite song. Cause what, yeah. It, okay, maybe I'm going to sound crazy, but it sounded like it was sung by Claire. Which one? Wrong? The one that's, how did I end up here? Yeah. One yeah. of the, the cool, cool kids, kids this year. It's sung by Alicia. Oh. Okay. It was like her, she had that, so that is like the, one of the only songs that was, like, produced independently of this music. Like, this girl at the same time was, like, shopping around, like, a demo, from what I understand. And she had this, like, single. um, And her name is um, Samantha Boscarino. And they were shopping around this this demo at the same time. And the producers were like, perfect, like, we'll put this in the movie. And the rest of the songs in the movie are literally done by people who, like, (laughs) were recent NYU graduates, like, looking for a big break. And this remains, like, the only thing on their IMDb pages. Incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that fucking song, How Did I End Up Here? One of the cool... It's, like, I think about that song every single day. Every single day, without fail. really something. Yeah, it really was. It's... You know, and I I was upset that, and of course they wouldn't do this because this would have cost them money, but what is the song that in the book they walk to? It's like... It's Pussycat Dolls. Uh, right. Don't ya? Yeah, and they could not do that in this one. But this song was produced, so the song where they all, first of all, it's the best scene in this movie where the girls peel out of the car one by one and then as they turn the corner in the hallway, they're in mm-hmm. perfect synchronization and they're walking. Um, it's supposed to be Don't Ya, um, right. but... It's a song that is clearly produced to sound like Don't Ya, except it's sung by, you know, an 18-year-old college graduate named right. Samantha. <laughs> um, and it's, um, you can look, but don't touch. If I could download this song. You can look, but, but don't, don't touch. Yeah. You know your ass. Which sounds like an 80s song, honestly. Like, it it sounds very, like, new wave. It, it, this, yeah. That's the, so funny. I wonder what the budget was for this. I should have looked that up before. But. So... I have a really specific kind of, like, I, like, have a really specific bone to pick with the budget, which is that it definitely all went to the clothing, because the yeah. clothing was actually designer. Yeah. Which, which is I was shocking. Like, it could have fooled me. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it looks bad. So. Truly. Like, I that thought... jacket? No, oh, go, go on. Ahead. Sorry. I'm just, I'm shocked that they didn't spend more money. It seemed like a lot of the money was spent on, like, Massey's bedroom and, mm. like, <laughs> So yeah, like some of iPad. her interiors. Which oh sorry, go ahead, Hunter. No, I mean I, I thought that was like really smart choice, but the clothing mm-hmm. being actually designer is like kind of shocking to me. I was just gonna say that like the iPad I think really 
it was really underwhelming for me. Um, there were some like TJ Maxx clearance, like basic, like they look like you'd be in like a beach house, like little portraits of like purses. And I was like, Massey would not have this. Like, where is, where's all the Royal purple? Like, I guess, I think I really wanted a lot more, uh, out of her, her bedroom. I mean, honestly, maybe it's just because I've been living in New York for too long, but it's like my teeny, t- I was watching my teeny tiny room. I was like, this oh, is yeah. lots. Like, this is yeah. a huge room. That's like quite a get. Um, it's like, this would be like four, uh, 4,000 a month. <laughs> truly, just for that yeah. one bedroom. Um, but what else? I mean, I also just like, I loved when they had the scene in the um, yoga class they were all wearing like matching like sweatsuits kind of like from this fake private school which just seemed very rich to me so yeah that yoga scene for me too like so much of this movie like permanently damaged me psychologically for like my expectations of like what you know uh, different academic settings would be like Mm -hmm. Um, but specifically having one's phone out in a yoga class always seemed to me like because this was my first interaction with yoga was seeing this movie as an 11 year old you know Mm -hmm. i'm not going to fucking bikram as you know Mm -hmm. like a prepubescent tween so when she has her phone out in the yoga class i'm like that's what you do in yoga you got your iphone next to you in case you get a text right you cannot do that no 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 you will get kicked out (laughs) even having your phone out at school at all that felt like really radical to me like yeah she really does run this school if she can do that and also that it was an iphone i thought that was um that was like kind of a blast from the past that like truly the ancient like brick back of the phone was like half gray half black i think mm. yes and then um what one of the friends is like oh i'm getting an iphone claire you can have my old phone that was yeah. like wow crazy and then claire claire of course gets my this was my favorite scene in the movie the um the lip gloss bus scene and of course massey just texts <laughs> claire the phrase oatmeal <laughs> and claire knows what to do to give these girls oatmeal or put it on their lips after they have this allergic reaction which and i know listeners will know i'm beating a dead horse into the ground but i have a peanut allergy um and no you don't s- dude it's like <laughs> well the the um peanut oil and maybe they didn't know that well number one why would peanut oil be used why would you ever fucking use that like in a in a lip product like or any sort of makeup like the, and I know that this is a very small bone to pick but like the the they're like okay lavender oil and peanut oil and that'll make a lip gloss. So I was just like do a little more research. Like maybe they can have like a latex allergy and you can do like something with that but it's like I and second of all that peanut oil would not give this reaction at all because technically it's not even like an allergen because like the the proteinous part that gives you a reaction is not is not in peanut oil so i just had a big bone to pick with girl we just lost with the like representation listeners i do love a science <laughs> lesson though so i yeah it. but i have to say like my biggest problem with that scene was of course that they're like passing around lane's like cup of oatmeal and these girls are going in like raw dog just dirty fingers into this thing, putting on their lips and like passing on to the next girl. Like that's not just so like even pre COVID times, like that's completely disgusting. It was really gross. And that was, but they're desperate for relief. They're putting that oatmeal on and they're like, Oh, I guess like what, this must be very like 
like wet loose oatmeal because <laughs> Lane is able to or in an earlier scene like pour it into a bowl and I'm like oatmeal is like it kind of like is is not that texture like it's like mostly water it, it just ugh. I do wish that we got a little more of Lane's gross food stuff I mean I guess oatmeal is gross but we didn't get any corn nuts honey mustard corn nuts which is her other big thing Ooh. Um, I will yeah. say in that scene there was like this totally random reference to Jessica Simpson they're like I think Claire said something like everyone's lips look like they like are Jessica Simpson or something and I was like was that a thing like yeah well the other one was um I wrote this down like Claire is lying about why she can't buy something and she says sorry I can't I already spent all my money on a Chloe handbag you know the one that Lindsay Lohan was carrying when she got in that accident I was like what are you (laughs) talking about Again, yeah, maybe that was Tyra. Tyra was like, you know what? I think we need a little funny line here. Like, go ahead and put that in there. That is so funny, and I, I don't think I would have known that much about celebrities at that point in my life to like have even recognized that joke, or even if it was like really a joke. Was it just an eight (laughs) statement? What is the (laughs) Franny? What is the joke? It's in one of the click books about the hamster oh yeah it's in the massey summer series book and her parents have a party and something about it is richard gear putting the hamster in his <laughs> asshole <laughs> and i'm like okay so that like thank you lisi for that but like that i don't know that's honestly nuts <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy i think she's like summer series books like these are novellas i can go a little crazy yeah um I just like the whole I like that that joke struck me very much as that where it's like something that no child is ever going to pick up on. Right. I'm almost wondering like is it so that like 15 years later we can be talking like this and like oh my gosh yeah I guess I heard about that random Richard Gere rumor from the yeah. clip books like it's not even like a throwaway like a Pixar thing where like a parent no like, gets the innuendo right. Yeah, and I think, like, a lot of that is that Lisi was, like, she worked at MTV before she wrote these. And so I'm like, okay, she was around celebrity culture in a way that, like, you know, like, Twitter wasn't really a thing in, like, 2008. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, teens did not have Twitter. And it's, like, all these kind of, like, I think, understandings of, like, celebrity that we take for granted, like as being able to access way more information, like, those jokes wouldn't land. Because I guess maybe they would read tabloids. But other than that, it's like, I don't... But there's no tabloid covering Richard Gere in 2008. Like, no. Right. I mean, not in this way, and also not at all, probably. Right. It's like one of those, like, people, like, the ones that, like, cost, like, $15, and it's like, Gilmore Girls are retrospective, but it's all about Richard Gere putting the the hamster in his ass. Allegedly. That's so bizarre. (laughs) I, like, my only context for that is, um, like these books like i don't like how would that how right. was that rumor even propagated like were people talking about it at dinner parties like why does everybody <laughs> know so much about this yeah um <sighs> the whole thing is just fucking fucking crazy i like I, something that just like continues to bother me is the fact that like just the, the the cognitive dissonance of, like, this movie being about, you know, like, people rising above bullying, essentially. Like, that's what they're selling it as. Like, mm-hmm. being yourself. Like, you know, not lying to your mom about, like, when the girls are bullying you. But also, like, the fact that at the end, the resolution to this movie is Massey, you know, doing her State of the Union. And she lists Claire as both in and out. It's like, yeah, that's so bitchy. That's it, even it, worse than just putting her in out. <laughs> 
And it's like, she's going to continue with that behavior. Like, Massey doesn't learn anything. Claire learns how to make herself more palatable to Massey. (laughs) And, like, at the end, like, that's the lesson. And in the books, like, you know, because they're a series, like, we just get so much more insight. And, like, even that we have critique with, like. Mm -hmm. But this especially was, like, I I feel like they dropped the ball with this movie. It did feel like, I mean, it definitely felt like there were meant to be more installments. But it also, I mean, just like not a satisfying conclusion, even right. if it, even if there were more installments of this, like mm-hmm. we end and Claire just kind of middles, like, and she's like, I'm fine with that. That's like, I can I, look at this flower that Massey gave me. And like right, one into single sleep. flower. I was like, she's rich. She couldn't even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. She needs to send her like a fucking Kanye flower wall. Right. Like, yeah. That get that Amex like, out. I read. Like, right. something big and dramatic like that. And then, like, the next day, she, like, wouldn't even mention it because she doesn't care anymore. Yeah. She's right. like, fuck you. I don't care. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, I feel like my opinion, too, is, like, skewed by the fact that I truly have watched this at least once a year since it came out. Um, <laughs> oh, something I just want to bring up briefly is the um, the tights under shorts. Like, did you guys ever do this? Tights under shorts? Of course. I, I did jeans yeah. under dresses. Like, oh, yeah. It was. I have to say, I did love the constant name dropping of Teen Vogue. Um, and even yes. the Natalie Portman Teen Vogue. Because I remember having, I think I still had that issue at my dad's house. And it was very formative for me because mm-hmm. I remember being like, wow, Natalie Portman. Like, she's so pretty and cool and smart. And right. the smart like, thing with Natalie Portman was the big thing. Yeah, she, like, went to Harvard and was, like, also, like, too smart to, I don't know, like, be, like, yeah. Yeah. Too smart I mean, to, like, we know Disney who kid, also went know. to Harvard. Mark Zuckerberg. It's Tyra. Well, I was going to say Tyra Shut Banks. Up. She did her, she did her entrepreneur oh course gosh, at Harvard. About that. No. Like, I was going to say this at the beginning of the episode, but then I decided it was too mean. But I was going to say Tyra Banks produced this movie like Tyra Banks went to Harvard, wherein she did a weekend and she got a certificate. <laughs> like, I see, I feel like she had a little more hand in it just because this is Bankable Productions only film. This is the only film that they have on their docket. No, so, I mean, I just really like I struggle to think of Tyra being like in her emails, like giving notes on a script. Like, yeah, we know we, well, read, we read. Yeah, Hunter, we read Model Land, which is Tyra's original novella. And there's like it's not oh, a novella. Tranny. I mean, not that novella, thing is longer me. than Infinite Jest. <laughs> no, it's, it's a 700 page book. Yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. And we basically the conclusion that we came to after reading it, we were like, well, uh, Tyra gave this to an editor and an editor editor looked at like three chapters and then was like, I'm out. Like, I'm just going to let her like (laughs) run with this because yeah, there's, she, she's doing a lot with it. Um, She fully was like, like stream of consciousness, like a whole new universe. Like she sat down and was like, she had an idea of like mm -hmm. exactly how this universe functioned. And she just sat down, drank like two Red Bulls and typed for like four days. And then (laughs) it got published. Like, in the book is absolutely unbearable to read. Like, it feels right. like a saw trap. We keep mentioning saw traps for some reason, but the, yeah. reading that book truly feels like being punished in some sort of, like, cosmically, like, moral way. Yeah. That is so funny. But, Sophie, I do think your original point was probably true, that she was so busy with America's Next Top Model. Yeah. That, yeah. And, like, and so many meetings and planning for that that she didn't really have time for... To, like, I just, really I'm, I'm kind of shocked that, like... um 
that there isn't a role in this that was a prize for winning a challenge, like a walk-on role that was a prize. Well, there was. Oh, really? Yeah, that girl, one of the girls who auditioned, quote-unquote, um, she was given a role as one of the girls whose faces swelled up due to the uh, the peanut oil. Incredible. So that was her big film debut, is, like, having to, like, have a makeup artist, like, I don't know, like, put, like, really toxic-looking crap on her lips it to make them look like... like- like jello or like like something like it looked crazy it looked like they had eaten like one of those strawberry like hostess cakes and yeah. just like not cleaned up afterwards <laughs> um yeah i just i don't know yeah tyro's like probably one of the most in demand like people of like her sector of employment yeah in the 2000s she's period. always doing a lot she always has multiple projects going on so yeah, yeah. i mean i don't know like she is still like putting her name on this is a huge deal. You know, I remember seeing like Tyra and being like, well, th- it has mm-hmm. to be good because it's Tyra. And I just, I can't imagine that she was like, you know, giving notes on a script and yeah, worrying herself with things like what BCBG top that <laughs> this like 12 year old was going to be wearing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what like globally, what do we think? Uh, like how would, if, each of us were to remake this movie. Like, what are the edits you're making right away? I mean, I think... I think that uh, this has to be, like, longer in terms of... I think I would make this a series, which I know is, like, a, a full shift in, like, you know, medium, but... I think that that's the only way that we're going to really get any sort of real message because like Hunter, you said this, but like this whole movie is very half baked. Like they're not. And because I think they're trying to get in a lot of things that would make teens like they're like, Oh, teen girls like this teen girls like this teen girls like this, but they're not really wanting to like dive into any of like real like plot quote unquote. So Mm -hmm. I think I would make it a series. I would honestly, I would cut a lot of the stuff with the parents just because having them be like, half hands-on like in the background of scenes but like pretend hands-on but not actually just kind of like makes everything feel like weird like shouldn't shouldn't someone's parents like say you threw egg on this girl like no yeah. <laughs> um I would just like take the parents out entirely and have it be like they're like totally like out of the loop and then I would honestly give Massey more scenes to, like redeem her as a character and like yeah like, Franny, to, to your point earlier, to give her some kind of, like, not redemption arc, but at least, like, time to seem sad or to seem, like, yeah. she's, like, at a loss of something and to make, like, to make her seeing Claire as a threat hold any water. Because at this, in this right. version of the movie, like, it doesn't make any sense why I should consider Claire a threat. Um, no. Yeah. And I would give Lane a bigger part. And honestly, I would cut some of the Chris Abley scenes like him as this sort of like mysterious figure who is just like incredibly hot and comes in and out very quickly like that seems like enough to justify Massey having this big crush and like Claire also having this big crush on him like he doesn't need to like talk no no well and as Lisey said to us earlier her other critique of this movie was that she said she thought that Chris Abley was miscast in that um, 
she thought this actor looked like a Muppet, quote unquote. So, which no! I think is probably a comment <laughs> about his hair. But I, I do think I'm like, why would Massey be into this guy? Like, he doesn't seem like Massey's He's type wearing, necessarily. Like a hoodie in every scene. Yeah, I want to like, walk off. I thought he was so cute. <laughs> I would totally have a crush on him. Yeah, hey. I think. Yeah, he was. He was cute. I, I think that that was probably a hair reference. Um, yeah, because <laughs> he does that. But yeah, he's like in my mind, he is cute, but he is like a little like unprimped, I guess for Massey. Like I like he like well he he looks like he uses axe or like you know like three in one shampoo. And I think Massey appreciates a man who like you know like takes care of him, quote unquote. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like opposites attract. I feel like Massey yeah, wants a, someone yeah. who isn't so type a who isn't yeah. so like straight mm-hmm. out of like a polo catalog or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, like, for, I love the flirting between the two of them. Like, I love the, um, like when he's like, well, I got kicked out of boarding school and she's uh-huh. like a bad boy, huh? Like uh, to me, <laughs> it's very hot. They're both on their horses. Like she is like, like they, their little tete-a-tete is, I think it's incredible. I would keep that in. My main thing is like, make this movie all about Massey. Like everything should be from Massey's perspective. There should be no see, like there should be maybe two scenes where we don't see Massey at all. Like everything, like you have to pick a stronger perspective here because at different points in this movie, we are asking to sympathize with Claire or sympathize with Massey or sympathize with like randomly one of the other girls. And it's like, it's confusing. I'm like, give us like the only fully fleshed out character in these novels. Like there's two, it's Claire and Massey. All of the other characters are pretty flat. And a lot of the times Claire is like, pretty flat so like just give us like make it more of a character study on her and i think you lose a lot of the ways in which this movie feels like why are we in this scene again like who's talking to who like Mm -hmm. is anything going to come of this um i also think you can cut like hunter said anything with the adults because you the only people watching this movie it's not getting a theatrical release like this is being watched in living rooms by teenagers Mm -hmm. or not even teenagers tweens like probably when they're homesick from school like we don't need any scenes where the parents are like it's my old friend from business school like right what are we gonna do it's like i don't know what business school is i'm 11 years old or even when like claire and her mom are fighting it's like why do we i mean I get that we were, like, establishing that Claire is, like, quote, changing, but even mm-hmm. so, it's, like, these sites don't really add anything. Nothing ever really comes of them, and even, like, no real 12-year-old girl goes to her mom for advice about bullying and, like, expects no. it to be, like, useful or expects, like, it's always, like, right. mommy, you don't understand, and even when Claire says that, it doesn't, like, add, it just kind of weighs it down, I feel like. Right, exactly, and I think also something that falls through with the, and I feel like the parents are better about this in the books is that it's like, wouldn't they not talk to each other and be like, by the way, your daughter is like through an egg at my, my <laughs> child. Like just FY, like if the dads are supposedly such best friends, you think you'd be able to be like, Hey, just so you know. It's fucked up. It's, well, yeah. but that's the thing too, is that like, and this is such a stupid nitpicking thing, but, like, so Massey's dad is hot, right? Like, mm-hmm. they parade him in there. He's, like, got a, he's got nice hair. The lions pull up, and it's, like, they literally were trying to make 
them look crusty. Like, it really is. Like, I'm like, there is no universe in which, like, this man from Orlando and this guy with, like, the biggest house and a guest house in, like, Westchester County, which from what mm-hmm. what I understand is an incredibly, like, wealthy community. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not super excited to see his friend who's wearing, like, I don't know, like, a Dickies jacket drive up <laughs> from Florida in his minivan. Like, this guy has to be an asshole. Yeah. I was, I mean, the fact that, like, they were sort of so half in it, half out of it, I was like, how does this friendship even work? Like, yeah, how right. long ago were you guys friends, and what happened to his life, and what happened to your life? Yeah, right. Like, well, what dirt does uh, does Clary's dad have on Massey's dad that like, allows them truly, to continue? <laughs> insider trading secrets from, like, 1980. I don't, something like, yeah. there has to be some <laughs> crazy backstory here. Something gross is going on between them, and it really is, it's like... Under what circumstances, like, we've talked about on the podcast before, like, they mentioned briefly that, like, the reason Kristen's family um, is quote-unquote poor, they're not poor, they live in, like, a three-bedroom apartment in, like, one of, like, the most, like... They, like, own a condo, basically. Yeah, like, like, that's, you know, whatever. It's, like, in one of the most expensive real estate markets in the country. Um, Mm -hmm. But, like the way that they talk about money is really weird, because it's like, okay, well, why is this family, like why like what on earth would drive a family to move from orlando to live in like another adult's guest house in if new he's york also like that- losing like if he's like having a hard time like finding a job or adjusting to a job i'm like stay in orlando like stay in florida like you're not yeah. gonna be able to like the cost of living i guess they, they don't have a cost of living because they live in the guest house it's, it's just odd like- when would you feel comfortable being like, by the way, can me and my two fucking annoying (laughs) kids and my wife who like appears to not do anything come live in your space? Yeah. Yeah. But these are questions I would probably have when I was 12. I would just be like, yeah, I guess parents do that sometimes. I don't, maybe other parents do that. Not mine, but maybe (laughs) other parents invite people to live with them for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. I think it's kind of the dream, like a, like where you get, you know, like, because there's so many shows that revolve around that in some way, shape, or form. Like, right. Dr- Drake and Josh, and, like, even, like, the Brady Bunch to some extent. It's like, all of a sudden, we got these new people moving into our house, and, like, shit's gonna change. And yeah. you all better buckle up, because uh, pranks will be involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, awesome. I feel like we... I feel like we really got to the bottom of this the rich text that is this movie. Hunter, where can our listeners follow follow you, find you? I'm um on Twitter as at Hunter Y Harris. I'm on Instagram as at Hunter H and my newsletter is um hunterharris.substack.com, I think. Um <laughs> I should probably have that memorized by now, which is crazy. But um thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. This we could not have asked for a more a more perfect guest for this movie and I feel like we did it justice. I'm so happy to have had an excuse to finally watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I you know what? And hopefully you continue you can be like Sophie, watch it every year. You know, I'm sure that this will become part of your I will your be daily reading life. it for my friends. I can promise. Yes. That. <laughs> Definitely. It's a good like you know, it's less than 90 minutes. It's a good, like, you know, we all just ate dinner and, like, everybody needs to chill out moment. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, you know. So watch it with your friends. Let us know what you guys think. Is there anything we missed in this episode? Um, read Hunter's newsletter. It's, like, one of the highlights, you know, Friday nights when she sends it out. Just one of the highlights of the week. She's had some really... I would say that, like, you might be the nation's, like, premier benefit scholar at this point. <laughs> 
or at least like from the perspective of like JLo, I think that like you kind of this idea that I've seen appropriated in other people's writing and podcasts and whatever, this idea of like JLo's primary purpose in life is to like not be embarrassed. And I think that that is like the perfect way to kind of think about and contextualize her as a character and, and a tragic character at that because, you know, all she's doing is dating men who embarrass her. Yeah. There is, I mean, I think I sort of do recognize some of that in myself, but there is something very tragic about this woman who literally only dates embarrassing men, but who really just cannot tolerate, like, being embarrassed right. and not being in control of <laughs> right. something, not being in and control of, like, like, a narrative. She is one of our most talented, like, it's truly a miracle to be alive at the same time as JLo. Like, she is, right. there's truly nothing she can't do except, like, perhaps sing. Uh, like, and she has a Shanti <laughs> singing did for you, her, maybe. But, like, I, I am curious, Hunter, did you, um, did you cover the, the, uh, with, with Ben, the cameo thing? Or not the cameo thing, no, the, the Raya, Raya thing. thing where um, she's like, it's no, me. <laughs> I didn't, honestly, because I felt so weird about it from so many different angles. I felt like, yeah. It was weird of him to follow this girl that he's messaging with to a different platform. I felt like it was weird mm-hmm. of her to release it just, like, to the so internet. Yeah. I, I also just, like, have complicated feelings about, like, those, like, dating app kind of gotchas in general. Because it's, so like... So mean. It's, it's mean and it's also, it like... Is mean. We know exactly what the... Like, what we're here for. It's not, like, this guy's, like... It's... I don't know. There's just He's not a, doing anything wrong. Right. It's, like... Isn't this exactly the kind of interaction you'd expect on a on a dating app? When, on a da- yeah. When you have like your age preferences, when you have your whatever preferences set to include them, like for them to show right. up. Right. Um, yeah. But no, I do feel like thinking about it now, it's like I feel like the J Lo thing is like the only person I can think of really rivals her and like control um, controllingness is like Beyonce uh-huh. and mm-hmm. Beyonce just like isn't embarrassed like no she does no. not tolerate like there's no gaps in her system to be embarrassed and it's like we see people have died for Beyonce to not be embarrassed I'm sure like, right and she's she's like when um when Jay-Z like disappoints her or embarrasses her she's like no I'm actually gonna like write a full album about you cheating on me exactly and, like, I'm gonna make you the laughing stop exactly the situation we see how like that is done successfully and with J-Lo it's like unsuccessfully what if you are just constantly like have your boundaries pushed in these yeah. in like this embarrassing way um right yeah which, i don't know i wish those crazy kids the best me too i mean it's really like that whole piece of news i just had to bring it up at the end of this because like your coverage i seriously feel like has been central in like how everybody's kind of covering this and it's just like it's at the same time, like, I believe, like, you wrote in your newsletter last week, like, it feels like, it it literally feels like 2004 again. Like, we're having the cicadas, and, like, you know, you personally are listening to Usher. Like, we're doing Benefer. Like, we are a reboot culture. This is a reboot. Like, it feels like a strange convergence between, like, the tabloids and, like, what we expect out of streaming media and also these two fucking weirdos who, like, one of which now has, like, a back tattoo and, like, they both have children and it's, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, right. what do those conversations look like? Right. Um, it's it's you, a weird time. Do you believe that there were emails exchanged while she was filming that movie that Army Hammer was supposed to be in? Yes. 
And I will, um, just for like background to your listeners who might not be following this as closely as us, um, there was like a story in TMZ that Ben Affleck had been writing J-Lo-B's like kind of overtly friendly slash love letters mm-hmm. um, while she was filming this movie and that she really liked them. And it's funny because in the, um, whatever, the URL of that TMZ story, it's her manager, Benny Medina's name, which feels like very suspicious, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my personal like gossip czar, Ali Jones, who writes the um, newsletter uh, called Gossip Time, Mm-hmm. She made a good point in this essay for the cut that the first time Benefer happened was like right after Geely had like finished rapping but wasn't out yet. And there were mm-hmm. rumors that um like JLo was like a tyrant on set, a huge diva, like all mm-hmm. the things that people usually say about like big, powerful women in Hollywood. Um yeah. but that Ben Affleck had gone out of his way to take out ads, and I think it was Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. To, like with this letter that she had been like so professional and like so hardworking and that she was like a really talented actor, all of these things. And it was right after that, like those letters came out that they started dating. And so it kind wow. of comes full circle, huh. but like the first time they started dating, it was, it seemed prompted by him like writing so lovingly about her slash wow. to her. And now like, it seems believable to me that that would have, um, happened again and that wow and then in there's a line very specifically in that tmz story which i think about a lot just because it sounds so insane but it was that um someone a source is saying that uh ben has always been able to like own her heart with his pen which sounds like oh my god she loves truly straight out of like a romance novel um yeah but i do think that's like part of their part of their reunion sure I, it's so yeah it's so bizarre and i the last thing i'll say is that when all of the army hammer stuff was going down my father so like my father very famously has a twitter account i'm sure after this episode he will follow you because anybody who's ever interacted with the podcast like if somebody tweets something nice about the podcast my dad will follow them um so he has like a very weird mix between like reporters that write about hockey and then like a bunch of like women in their 20s that he follows incredible and so when the army hammer thing was happening he was like texting me and my dad is famous for using the only punctuation he uses in text is m dashes um (laughs) he's a writer ladies and gentlemen not really but you know um and he sends me this text. He's like, Army Hammer, Dash, what's up with this cat, Dash? And I, <laughs> I sent him your coverage on Army Hammer. And he was like, wow, now this is reporting. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, still that Army Hammer post is like my most popular post, which is crazy because I wasn't even going to cover it. But then it, it just seemed like at such a moment of like, no one knew exactly what was going on and also no like outlets were publishing about it yet. Yeah. It seemed like at that point, and I still, I mean, even if you still read the trades, like they still call like this very online scandal, which feels like exactly not true. Um, right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think um, I also felt like very like, since I literally talked about call me by your name every single day in 2017, like it, he just seemed like such a like person that I'd been following professionally for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same here. Like, I really, you know, the social network, unfortunately, like, holds a very, very firm chokehold on on me still. Like, I hear, you know, 
a Trent Reznor piece from that score, and I'm like, now that's cinema. Um, it's. Can I interject so quickly? Please. Whenever I'm sitting at my computer and I have like my noise canceling headphones on and I'm like typing, I like literally my roommate and I are like, she's wired in. She's wired in. Like you can't talk to her. She's wired in. <laughs> You're like writing on like the like billboard or like the oh uh, I write screen right or whatever here. yeah and I yeah. like, outline J Lo dash Benifer dash it is like I just like you know in like 2017 or whatever my boyfriend and I dressed up as the Winklevoss twins for Halloween yeah. like same thing like was so excited to see him and call me by your name and so I, I felt like your coverage of it was really great from that standpoint where like you were one of the first people you know with the kind of like excuse me for using this word but like clout to like get into that story and be like actually there are things happening here that like are incredibly fucked up and like we should right. be paying attention to them right I mean especially when it just like didn't sit right with me that everyone like a lot of people are making like jokes about cannibalism all this stuff when it's like if you spend literally more than two seconds googling like they're like very real allegations of like at the very least yeah. manipulation and coercion um yeah. and even then like only more stuff is more awful stuff has come out with more victims which um is really yeah. sad it's yeah. unfortunate because, like, that's, like, the type of guy who invades a lot of, you know, quote-unquote, like, safe spaces, I guess. Like, because the whole, like, thing, you know, yeah, the coercion of, of him essentially, like, guilting people into things or, like, um, you know, saying that, that you have to do something because, you know, this is actually, like, positive for, like, your sexuality or whatever. Like, it's just, it's... It's unfortunate, um, right. and I feel like that shaped a lot of the the people's reactions to it. It's just, like, too rich that this all comes from someone who built an entire, like, second wind of their career on, like, a queer love story on yeah. this Broadway play called Straight White Men, which was mm. not very good, but was ostensibly about privilege and unpacking it. And mm-hmm. also, um, the Boots Riley movie, Sorry to Bother yeah, You, which right. was, like, you know, also a very sort of anti-capitalist um story in which he played the yeah. bad guy but like very knowingly it's like you can't do all of those things and then also like do all of this fucked up stuff in private and act like yeah. you're like the wokest white man in hollywood it's like the the you know the chris delia situation where he's like okay i'm gonna be in you season two playing a child <laughs> like like a, a sexual predator uh and that but don't worry like nothing will come out in real life about, like, wait i didn't even know i had stopped watching you season two unfortunately um, he, he well, he, like, literally, um, well, you know, all the stuff came out with him, and, like, that's yeah. exactly his character he plays in you. Oh, like, he's, like, a gosh. sexual predator and, like, preying on teen girls. He's it's literally just, Snapchatting teen girls in the show. You're joking. And, like, no. It's, like, that's the whole thing. And you're, like, I remember, like, watching it, because, like, Chris D'Elia, like, every other person who's done shit like this, like, mo- a lot of people, anybody familiar with the situation knew that this was going on for years, right? Yeah, like, right. he's always had an air around him of, like, something is up there. Like, it's the same thing. I talk about this like on the TJ podcast. Miller? Yeah, or, like, Louie. It was the same thing, where, like, people yeah. in college would be watching Louie, and I would be like, I don't, like you guys don't know do you like and then two years later they were the first people to be like i can't believe it you know it's all it's the same kind of thing with him Mm -hmm. and i remember watching you and being like but wait like is this a joke like what's going on or like am i having some sort of like confirmation bias of like am i thinking that i've heard these rumors because i'm watching this show like what's going on that is so crazy 
Yeah. Maybe it was like an SEO thing where he's like, well, if I do this, then like, and people Google it, like they won't, they'll only find like, <laughs> like articles on it and like Entertainment Tonight and stuff covering it. Yeah. But well, that is, my goodness. Cheap champagne, do we eat shy? I've got a clover in my locket and cherries in my spray. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Girls Like Us. As always, you can find us on social media at Girls Like Us Show on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to share this episode on Instagram, on Twitter, if you enjoyed it. Let us know. Get the word out. Um, it's genuinely such a big help for us. Um, review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, even if you hate the podcast. It's literally the only polite thing that you can do. And check out our website at girlslikeus.show. And if you're looking for more podcasts like this one, check out frolic.media slash podcasts. Have a great week, everyone.